Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 2. We're in a series called The Inside Story. How many were here last weekend and got to hear the beginning of that series? You know, the story of Christmas is very clear, it's very simple, but it's powerful, and that is this, that God, He was incarnate. That's a fancy word which just simply means that God became human. He took on the humanity of the world by sending His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross, but He first came to a manger. He made himself of no reputation. And the idea is that God literally was able to be held in the arms of humanity. That God was able to be talked to on a personal basis. That someone was able to hold the hand of God and walk across water. That humanity was able to sit at the table and share a meal with God. And by coming, here's the power of that. He didn't just come so that he could save the world, but he came so that he could identify and understand you and me. That when you hurt, he could understand hurt. Now, God can understand everything, but to have... How many know that when someone says they understand, but when they've gone through what you've gone through, you realize they do understand? And so God says, I want to go through what you've gone through. So Christmas is a powerful message of the coming of Christ. But sometimes there are stories inside of the story. Sometimes there are messages inside of the message. And so this series I've entitled The Inside Story. And we began last weekend and we we read Matthew chapter 1. And we learned about the coming of Jesus and his birth. And we talked about Joseph. And we learned that there were two kind of ideas of the story inside the story. The first idea was simply this. I'm going to kind of catch everybody up. When you read through the story, Joseph, his world was shattered because his, in, the woman that he was engaged to, the woman that he was ready to set up and begin a new life with, she got pregnant. And he was struggling to believe that it was from God. And then an angel shows up and he tells Joseph through a dream, all of this was to fulfill the prophecy that a, child, a virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a child and he will be the savior of the world. And here's the point, is the inside story was this, is that sometimes when you're going through a season, how many of you have ever gone through a season you just wish you could get out of? Here was the point, there's a reason for your season, that there's a purpose in the midst of your trial, and that God can always take your trial and bring about a greater purpose for you and for the world. That you don't have to just go through your trouble going, oh no, why is this happening, but you can Set back to the fact that God is in control and He's sovereign and He has a plan. And if you're going something through something, here's what you can know is that all things work together for the good. Amen? Amen? To them that love the Lord. And then we learned last week as well. There's a whole lot more in there. We learned about considering. Remember, as Joseph considered, consider your situation in the light of God's faithfulness. We learned about considering your reaction. Remember, he didn't just divorce her right away, but he waited a little bit. Now we're so quick to react. And if Joseph had reacted quickly, he would have missed out on God's great purpose in his life. And then we learned last week is that it's a story also, not only of purpose and revelation, but it's a story of surrender. And remember, at the end of the chapter, it said that he took her as his wife, and then he didn't sleep with her until the baby was born. We talked about this idea how that sometimes we try to take things over, and we try to, you know, 
in the midst of fulfilling God's will, we end up wanting to do our will as well. And that sometimes we lay aside our desires so that God's purpose can be fulfilled. So today I want to continue with the inside story. You all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, there are times as a pastor, as an under-shepherd, shepherds often are seen as sweet, loving, caring, right? When you think of a shepherd, you think of that, right? Rosy, warm, but... You know, sometimes shepherds, in fact, how many of you have ever seen the picture of Jesus with the sh- with sheep on his shoulder? Anybody seen that picture? We think of that picture and our hearts are filled with love. He's such a loving shepherd. You know why that, that, shepherd's on his sh- or that sheep is on his shoulder? It's because probably he had to break the, the, the sheep's leg because it kept running off. And so he put it on his shoulder to carry it till it was healed. And you're like, what's he getting ready to do? (laughs) Let me just say, sometimes we need to hear things that challenge and inspire us, not just things that make us feel good. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, why am I saying that? Because I'm just setting the stage. Because when I was reading through Matthew chapter 2, God started telling me some things that I needed to hear, not necessarily things that made me feel good. Because the shepherd loves me. And so today, I just want to encourage you, as we go through this topic today, to open your heart. Because maybe God is going to say something to you, rather than just to make you feel good, he's going to inspire you and he's going to challenge you. He's going to raise the bar to live at a new level so that you can walk into the new and good things that he has for you. Amen? I only got three amens. The rest of you aren't sure. (laughs) So how many are ready? Amen? All right, all right, here we go. Let's read this passage. Stand to your feet. We're going to get the inside story on Christmas. We're going to learn the message in the message. We're going to see some of the things that are there. So put on your magnifying glasses. I may need to... uh... Okay, there we go. We're on the side screens. (laughs) Let's all read this, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Let's read it together loudly. You ready? Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for teaching us and guiding us. Today, speak to us. Well, you know, this topic is an area that every one of us will connect to at some level. So inspire and challenge us to follow and be what God has called us to be. Just say this word with me. Would you say, say I surrender. My heart and my mind speak to me. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Tyler. We're going to read Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read the story. Now, we're into the story, the part where wise men come. They follow the star. You know, it's interesting. You know that things would have been much different if it would have been three wise women instead of three wise men. How many know? Because if it would have been three wise, three wise women instead of men, they would have asked for directions, 
arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought disposable diapers as gifts. How many know? I didn't get any amens from the men. I want to keep reading this story to you. They arrive and they say, where is this new, newborn king? Verse 2. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It was ahead of them and stopped over the place where the baby was. Verse 10, skipping forward. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Moving forward to verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. I want to give you the inside story today on Christmas. You ready? We learned it's a story of purpose. We've learned it's a story of surrender. And now I'm going to tell you the other part of the story that sometimes we run right over and don't see. You ready? Write this down. It's a story of jealousy. A story of jealousy. The Bible says in Matthew chapter uh, 2, it says, When he saw, or I'm sorry, the wise men said, When we saw his star as it rose, verse 3, it says that King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. The word disturbed there is a Greek word, and here's what it means. It means to stir or to agitate water, to trouble the waters. How many here have ever seen like a, a, a little pool of water after it rained and it's you know nice and pretty and you can see to the bottom, but if you step in it, it gets all murky? Because when you stir the water, all of the stuff on the bottom rises to the top. Here's what we see with Herod. A rising star stirred things up in Herod, and it was a thing called jealousy. In fact, if you look at the life of Herod, you'll discover that Herod was a man who was consumed with jealousy. Now, let me give you a definition of jealousy. When I began to look at it in the Bible, I began to discover that jealousy is really not the best word to describe jealousy. Because the word jealousy, here's what it really means. It's synonymous with envy or covetousness. Because it's, it's wanting something that someone else has. 
So really what we're talking about is the 10th commandment. Thou shalt not covet. So when the star started to rise, it stirred up jealousy, envy, and covetousness that was already lurking in the heart of Herod. Now it was obvious with Herod. Let me tell you a little bit about Herod. Herod was a jealous man, and he was very capable, he was very shrewd, and he was very brutal. As a young man, he went to Rome, and he studied in Rome, and when he came back from Rome, he was consumed and jealous with the Romans, wanting to bring the wealth, the influence, and and to bring the prestige of Rome to Jerusalem and to Israel. He was vicious. In fact, Caesar Augustus was quoted as saying that it would be better to be the King Herod's pig than to be his son. Pigs were protected by law, but Herod's family wasn't. Because King Herod killed two of his own sons. He killed his 18-year-old brother-in-law because the Jews liked him better than Herod. He killed his favorite wife of the ten wives that he had because he thought she had been unfaithful, which she wasn't. And when he killed her, he didn't just kill her, he killed her grandfather and her 80-year-old uncle who had saved his life at one point. He killed his own uncle, his mother-in-law. In In fact, the historian Josephus called him barbaric. Herod, when the star began to rise, it stirred up jealousy, envy, covetousness. Now, the first thing that you and I will do when we hear that, we're like, I'm nothing like that guy. I don't kill people. But I want to ask a question, and here's the question I ask. Does the success of someone around you stir up things in you? When someone else's star begins to rise, do other things begin to rise in your heart? Because if they do, now before you discount it, and before you you deflect it and you point to someone else and go, well, I know someone that that happens to. Before you do that, let me ask the question. What happens in your heart when the person in the cubicle next to you gets the promotion and you don't? What happens to your heart when that family member gets the brand new car and you don't? What happens in your heart when the the friend of yours lands that great job that you were trying to get? What happens when they get the boat? When I could go down the list. You all with me? Now, I know Nick Jonas admits that he's jealous. <laughs> but most of us won't. And I'm going to tell you that if you don't address what is stirred up in your heart when a star rises around you, then you're going to miss the inside story of Christmas. So today I want to talk to you about jealousy. Can I tell you that King Saul is a beautiful example of this, not only Herod, because King Saul loved David until David's star began to rise. And as soon as David's star began to rise, as soon as he began to see success, David 
began to succeed and conquer. and They began to sing songs about Saul and David. King Saul, something stirred up inside of him. So I'm going to tell you real quickly a very simple thing about jealousy, envy, covetousness. covetousness. Here's, here's a, a good example for us all to understand. It's like bad breath. Because when you have it, everyone knows it except you. Come on. Was that a good example? People are popping mints in their mouth right now all over the room. So when you read the story of Christmas, as you read through the story of, of Herod and the wise men, there were three things that jumped out at me. Now, I have a second point to my message, and I don't know if I'm going to get there. So we're just going to go with point number one, and then if we have time, we'll get to point number two, all right? You guys ready? I want you to write this down. So how do I know, Pastor Jared, if I'm struggling with jealousy? How do I know if maybe there's some, you know, covetousness or some envy going on in my heart? How do I know if, if that's there? Well, in the story, we can see three things. Now, I could give you a lot more, but we don't have time. I'm just going to use the inside story of Christmas to show you. You ready? Point number one. How do we know if jealousy is lurking? How do we know? Well, number one, deception can be a sign of jealousy. Write that down. Deception can be a sign of jealousy. Matthew chapter 2, if you look at verse 4, remember when the wise men show up and they tell the king, Hey, king, there's a new king that's been born. And we want to worship him. Where is he? And look what happens. Here's what Herod does. Verse 4, it says, He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked them, Where is the Messiah, this new king, supposed to be born? Then we see a little later what happens in verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. So he calls them in and he asks asks them, he said, now when did you first see the star? Then he tells them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. Now when you read this story, I used to think that maybe the religious leaders were in, you know, working with Herod together on this deal. But if you think about it, that's really not the case because the religious leaders, they wanted the Messiah to come because when he was born, they thought he was going to deliver them from the power of Rome. So when he goes to them to say, tell me where this new king will be born. Now, let me tell you, everybody knew that Herod was evil. Everybody knew about the stories and the rumors and him killing his own family. Did you know that Herod, even in the last moments of his death, killed one of his own family members that would take over the throne from him because he was so jealous. So everybody knew. So how in the world then did Herod get them to tell in front of Herod where this baby was to be born? Here's why. Because Herod had the gift to deceive. And he had convinced them, hey, I want to worship him just like you guys. I want the Messiah just like you guys. And they came and they gladly shared because he somehow was able to be deceptive about what he was really thinking. He does the same thing with the, the, um, the wise men. He calls them in. He's like, hey, guys, now when was it that you first saw this star? Now, why did he want to know that? Well, here's why. Because he wanted to know when it was that 
possibly the king could have been born. Because he had, you know, his thought was maybe the king was already alive. Jesus hadn't been born yet, we know in the story, but maybe he had. So he wanted to know how old. He was already making plans to wipe out the potential one, right? But instead of saying the truth, he, he kind of said a little bit of truth and kind of mixed it all up. And what was really going on in his heart was, is if you could just show me where he is, I'll come and worship him too. I want to show you something. Go with me to James because I want to talk about this idea of jealousy and covetousness. James chapter 3 verse 13 says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good with humility that comes from wisdom. That word humility we're going to touch on at the end. You should underline that. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness, you see, jealousy will always give birth or reveal selfish ambition. Because covetousness is about getting what you want and your desires. It says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthy, unspiritual, and look at this, we're taking it to the next level, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. I want to tell you that the reason covetousness, being someone who covets, made it into the Ten Commandments is because God wanted you and I to know that, listen, when you want something that's not yours, it's not just, well, gosh, I would like that. But lurking below the surface of that is all kinds of evil. Evil that gets into the spiritual realm, that gets into the demonic realm. In fact, it's a dangerous thing to let yourself be a person of jealousy. Think about Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous of his brother, and what did it lead to? Murder. We see it with Herod. We see it with Saul. And I want to tell you, Saul came to David and, and he says, David, you know what? You're rising star. And you know what? I want you to marry my daughter. But in order to marry her, you got to go and kill a hundred Philistines. And if you do, then you can marry her. King Saul wasn't going, I love you and I want you to be in the family. No, what his real agenda was, was hopefully one of those hundred Philistines are going to wipe you out. Now, why am I focusing on this? Well, just simply this. When it comes to your life and it comes to things that you're doing, if you have to hide your true intentions, then maybe jealousy, jealousy is lurking beneath the surface. When we ask ourselves the question, am I jealous? The question really to ask is, when it comes to situations on the job or situations in your family, are you having to be careful to hide what you're really thinking? Are you having to be careful to hide your true intentions? Because if you're having to hide your true intentions in this story, the inside story of Christmas, that's exactly what someone who was gripped with the evil of jealousy did. Because deception, deception is often a sign. Of jealousy. Y'all with me? Say amen. 
I told you this one was a little tougher this morning. I tried to think of an example to give you, and I just couldn't think of one. But I think what's better is that many of you are already thinking of one already. Maybe that moment in your life, maybe that situation you're in right now, maybe that conversation with the coworker, where you're not really telling the truth. We, we just learned that it, jealousy, it's, it covers the truth. Maybe your reset is to kind of posture yourself and pump out your chest. So in the story, the inside story is deception is a sign of jealousy. And this is a story of jealousy. You ready for the second one? Here's the second one. Second thing is, am I a jealous person? Do I covet? Well, number two is, secret meetings can also be a sign of jealousy. Secret meetings can be a sign of jealousy, which really is a sign of selfish ambition. A sign of being someone who covets. Let's look at the story. Go with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. What does it say? Then Herod called a what? A private meeting. A private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them what time the star had first appeared. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because it's so simple and so obvious. But if in your life you're always having to pull someone aside and have a private meeting, if you're always having to, at the end of the conversation, say, well, you know, let's just keep this between you and me. You know what? You're my friend. Let this just between us. Secret meetings reveal jealousy. And what's scary here, listen, this is important. I think this is probably, this is not the Christmas message that you usually hear. But aren't you glad it's there? Because if evil is lurking beneath something that we're doing, I don't know about you, but I want to get rid of the evil. I don't want to posture myself where the enemy can have influence and wrap its tentacles into my life in such a way that I begin to do things that I don't want to do, that I begin to do things that affect myself, affect my family, and affect my future. This Christmas, the inside story is it's a story of jealousy. Deception is a sign of jealousy. Secret meetings are a sign of jealousy. And then here's the last sub-point. I might get through this whole message today. Man, I'm doing good. Amen. You ready for the third one? Here's the third sign of jealousy. Hurting others can be a sign of jealousy. Hurting others can be a sign of jealousy. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, it's obvious. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise man had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Jerusalem who were two years old and younger. Let me just stop and say, if you're questioning, am I a jealous person, then here's a good one. If you always get mad because people aren't doing what you want them to do, maybe the source of that is there's a covetous, envious, jealous spirit going on in your heart. Are you always getting mad because people aren't doing what you're trying to control and manipulate them to do? Are you always getting frustrated because the outcome isn't what you planned? And through your efforts, you tried to work the situation and 
Just like Herod, he was furious because they didn't do what he wanted them to do. Isn't it interesting that wherever you see jealousy, there's a lot of conflict? It's so quiet in here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There's one of you. Amen. All right. I would, but Pastor Jared, you know, I, I would never, I would never hurt anybody. I'd never, obviously, kill anybody. I, I couldn't do that, you know. Well, let me just stop and say that, you know what, Christians hurt and kill people all the time. And here's, here's, why, here's how. You ready? I'm going to make it clear. The Bible says that our words can produce life or our words can produce, it can produce life or it can produce, so that's a verse right out of the Bible. So though in the natural we may not kill anybody, in the spiritual perspective, the things we say can hurt and can damage and can kill. I'll never forget, I had a really cool conversation one time with Pastor Jack Hayford. And as we were talking, he told me this story. And he said, you know, Jared, he goes, one time I was talking to Billy Joe Doherty. And some of you may not know him, but he came kind of out of the faith movement. And I know some people don't appreciate the faith movement, but... There's a lot of good that's come out of the ministries of that um, area. And, and, and Billy Joe Doherty was a man who was a man of faith. He was a man who reached into his community and served. They were very outreach-oriented. He actually died of cancer a few years ago. What's interesting is Billy Joe was talking about sitting in a room with several leaders of major ministries in the United States. And as they were sitting there, one of the people in the room started to talk about a ministry or a pastor, or a leader in America that was a high-level, high, well-known ministry leader, and people in the room kind of started joining in and talking about this ministry leader. And so Billy Joe was about to say something in agreement, and as soon as he was about to say it, he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go ahead, Billy Joe, if you want to be a weapon, go ahead. And then the Holy Spirit reminded him of a, a verse found in Isaiah 54, verse 17, which says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. This heritage has all the saints. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Go ahead, Billy Joe, and be a weapon, and if you do, you won't be blessed. Can I tell you, there's a lot of Christians that are wondering why they're not walking in the grace and the favor and the blessing of God. And here's why. Because they've, they've, they've fallen grip to the power of covetousness, of jealousy. And what's happened in that situation is then they have allowed themselves to be a weapon and they begin to talk against others. They become a weapon against others with their words, killing and robbing and destroying. And then what happens is then they fall under the provision of Scripture which says if you're a weapon against God's people, God says you will not prosper and I will bring judgment upon you. And we miss out on the blessing because of jealousy. Doesn't it feel good to be in church today? <laughs> There's a story of a, of a man who was speaking against this pastor. He was gossiping, he was talking about him. And maybe, maybe your gut reflex is, well, wait a minute, pastor. I don't talk about people unless it's true. 
I don't think I need to even go into that one. We'll stop right there. So this guy feels convicted because he's talking to the pastor, talking about the pastor. He's been a weapon. So he comes to the pastor feeling convicted, and he says, Pastor, will you forgive me for speaking against you? The pastor said, sure, I'll forgive you. I just want you to do something first. Okay, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go and buy a feather pillow. And I want you to climb to the top of this, this ledge. And I want you to cut the pillow open and dump the feathers off. So the man grabs a pillow. He takes it up to the top of the mountain. He cuts it open and he dumps the feathers out. Climbs back down. He says, Pastor, I did what you said. Now will you forgive me? And he said, oh, yeah, I forgot. There was one last thing you needed to do, and then I'll forgive you. He said, now go and collect all the feathers. Words can come easy. It's easy to say things, but it's hard to take them back. And how many times have our jealousy or our covetousness or our envy or the things that are going on inside of us cause us to shift into something that maybe we know is not the best version of who we are and we start talking about and we start speaking whether it's true or not and what happens we start releasing into the atmosphere things that cause damage and those things no matter how much we say I'm sorry no matter how much we try to you know go back and and say okay I'll do it different next time we can't take back the things that have been said. We can't collect every feather. And so we've hurt and we've wounded people. And then the Bible says that what a man sows, he's going to also reap. And we wonder why we're not walking in the blessing and we wonder why things are chipping away in our life. And it's because we've never realized the power of jealousy and how much God loves us. He loves us so much that he said, please don't fall to the grip. Don't fall to the temptation of being Herod or King Saul. Don't fall to the temptation of jealousy. Maybe your jealousy has caused you to start a rumor. Maybe your jealousy has caused you to tell a secret that you promised you'd never share. Maybe your jealousy has caused you to join in a conversation when you knew you shouldn't have. I want to read a scripture to you. Y'all still there? Say amen. James chapter 4, verse 2 through 3, and then we're going to go to 6 through 8. I tried to condense this passage a little bit because I want to show you where it all comes from. It says, what is causing the quarrels and the quarrel, how do you pronounce that word? I'm going quarrels, quarrels. Have you noticed that squirrels quarrel all the time? I'm sorry, just a little thing to help me. Say the word. What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? In other words, pause that for a second. Leave it up there. Didn't I say that many times surrounding jealousy is conflict? Right? So that, that fighting, they come from the evil desires that are at war within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. Now let me stop right here. He's speaking to the church. Is he really saying that they're killing people? No, not in the natural. He's talking about a spiritual principle to take the life out of, take the joy out of, 
So what's going on? You fight and you quarrel. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war and take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. Verse 6. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. Isn't that interesting? That this whole passage about resisting the devil and the influence of the evilness of the devil himself is connected to this idea of covetousness and jealousy. God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Made me think about Christmas. <laughs> like, really? That reminds you of Christmas? Think about it. What happens when you have two kids and you get them toys and they begin to open their toys and as soon as they start opening their toys, right, they're like ripping it up and like, wow, look what I got. Yay. What do, what do you have? Where did you get that? That's really cool. How come yours is bigger than mine? How many of you have seen little kids, right? Before long, what are they doing? They're not even focused on their toy anymore. They're focusing on the, the sibling's toy. And then pretty soon they're like, I want to play with it. Can I play with it? And then the next thing you know, they're screaming and there's fighting and there's crying. And they're like, hey, well, he took my toy. Human nature, right? Would you read with me James chapter 1, verse 14? But each of you is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, the scripture tells us in James, the other passage we read is simply this, is that we get caught up in jealousy. So how do we, how do we address jealousy? How do you work on getting freed from this idea of jealousy? The Bible says this, Humble yourself before the Lord. Draw close to him. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. Humble yourself before the Lord. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So here's the point. What do we do when we're struggling with jealousy? What do we do when we are, are beginning to now become aware of the things that have worked their way into our hearts? What do we do when someone else around us, the star starts to rise? And when their star is rising, something inside of us is struggling with that. And we don't understand why is it that they're being blessed? Why is it they got the new house? And we've been in this house forever. And why is it they got that job? I've been here 10 years longer than they are. Why is it? And we start struggling. So what do we do when someone's star starts to rise when the star rises you and I make the commitment to be the falling star because when the rising star rises if we'll be willing to become the falling star what does the word humility mean it means to bring down to humble 
God says that many times the way to deal with something is to deal with it opposite. So what do we do? We humble ourselves and we say, God, bless them. Thank you for blessing them. Thank you for giving them what they have. God, thank you that they've been promoted. God, give them the best year. Provide for their needs. Provide for their families. What are you doing? You are reversing the curse. You are changing the tide. What are you doing? Now you're sowing the right things. Now instead of robbing your blessing, you're positioning yourself for the blessing. Somebody say amen. So, if we're to be the shooting star or the falling star, what do you do when you get in those situations where people start gossiping, people start talking, killing with their words? Well, you have three choices. You can either join in, and by joining in, you're just throwing feathers in the wind. Or secondly, you can stay silent and do the same thing just watching as others do it, like Paul did when they stoned Stephen. What was the next step for Paul? Paul joined in eventually on his own. Or you can either join in, you can stay silent, or my wife this, watches this one show, and in the show, the lady always says, and here's, what, here's the point, she's like, shut it down. <laughs> it's like this lady's joke. She's like, shut it down. Everybody say that with me, ready? Maybe God wants you to be a peace negotiator. Stop the insanity. And instead of just watching, instead of just allowing that spirit to circulate in your workplace, in your family, in your heart, instead maybe he's wanting you to humble your heart and... What is the inside story of Christmas? It's the story of jealousy. But God doesn't just point out the issue. He doesn't just point out the problem. He gives you the power to change it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, I'm doing pretty good on time. I have one more point. I'm considering waiting and doing it next week. You didn't know all that was in the Christmas story. Merry Christmas, did you? Isn't it cool? Merry Christmas. Next week, I'm going to spend some time talking about this story. In fact, this week as I was reading through the story again, man, there's so much good stuff, so much inside to the story that I want to share with you. And next week, you've got to come back and hear it because we're going to learn a little bit, about, a little bit more about Joseph. We're going to learn about the prophecy about Bethlehem. We're going to learn about stars next week because, you know, what's interesting is the star was a sign. And what's interesting is that the, the wise men had followed a sign. Anybody here in your life ever looked for a sign from God? And then the sign disappeared. And then the sign reappeared. And what does all that mean? We're going to talk about all that next week. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a sign. Did you know that God said we're to be a people, that the evil generation is always looking for a sign? So we're going to talk about signs. We're going to talk about Joseph. We're going to talk about Bethlehem. It's going to be good. But before we do that, today, let's answer a question.
what's going on in your heart? Have you found yourself hiding your true motives at times? Have you found yourself having secret meetings? Have you found yourself speaking and doing things that's bringing harm and hurt to others? God wants to set you free from that. I want you to bow your heads and I'm going to ask a question. I want Wes to come and the team.